Agents Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Espresso Agent. The key to success in real estate is confidence, especially when it comes time to call prospects. Espresso Agent gives you that confidence with the best for sale by owners and expired contacts delivered directly to your inbox seven days a week. Up to 90% of our contacts have phone numbers and the most cell phone numbers on the market. Every day, you can dial with confidence when you dial with Espresso Agent. Visit EspressoAgent.com forward slash agents. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Lab Coat Agents podcast. And I am very excited today to bring on a guest that we have gotten to become very close to most recently. So if you're not uh, an active participant in the Lab Coat Agents Facebook page, you may not know this gentleman, but if you are, you probably do know this gentleman. We're going to be talking today to Nick Niehaus, who is the founder of Connect Marketing and the Business Video School, which the Lab Coat Agents has taken a big time liking to and have created some partnerships with to bring more value to our Lab Coat Agents audience. So Nick has started, he started this Connect Marketing company to bring value to help real estate agents create video content, create their own commercials, do branding, all sorts of things. We'll let him tell us more about that, which has now evolved into the Business Video School, which is a, an, an online virtual school with a curriculum to teach real estate agents, salespeople, really from any industry, uh, how to do better video. And it starts with the very, very basics it is an awesome platform. That's why Lab Code Agents has now uh, formed a partnership with Nick to help with this because we wanted to bring this value to our agents. With that said, welcome to the show, Nick. Let's talk video. How are you, man? Doing great, man. Appreciate you having me on. We're excited to have you here. So let's uh, always, I always assume that our audience does not know who you are. So let's start with you just telling them about who you are, where you come from, and how you kind of came up. Uh, on this side of the business, because you're not a realtor, uh, but you bring value to real estate. So tell us a little bit about uh, you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so I started, you know, I started Connect Marketing, uh, which we're, we're getting ready to change the name to Connect Video soon, because it's all about video at this point. But we started uh, over six years ago, we're getting close to seven at this point. And, you know, to be honest, when I first started, I started that business because I was working selling tools at Sears, and I was a little bit sick of it, and I quit. And they told me, we don't need your two weeks. You can just be done. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to find a way to make money. And so the next day I started Connect. And uh, we started out doing uh, door knocking and flyer delivery. So when we first got going, I mean, it was literally just going out into neighborhoods and you know, trying to talk to homeowners and uh, connect them to primarily contractors at the time because I had a background in uh, running a uh, painting business for years before that. And so uh, we did that for a while, and, and that kind of eventually led us to real estate because you know, we were looking for industries that do a lot of neighborhood-focused marketing, right? And obviously, real estate agents, that, that's kind of their bread and butter in a lot of ways. And farming has been a popular advertising strategy for many years in real estate. And you know, so that kind of got us into the industry, and that was three and a half, four years ago at this point. Um, and around the same time, we started to see the emergence of small business video advertising. I mean, it was just kind of the tip, you know, very, very early days in a lot of ways. I know that's around the time that uh, you, Jeff, got started making videos, right? And so we, we, we kind of dove in headfirst on that. We said, hey, you know, we, we like this idea of working with agents. You know, it's a good market fit for us. Um, video is really starting to emerge. And so since then, everything we've done has been about video and has really been about, you know, understanding a lot of the psychology behind why video has such a much more significant impact than other forms of advertising. I mean, then we since then have just realized like, wow, this is this is a huge shift in communication. You know, this isn't just about marketing or advertising. Um, and there's just so much to learn. I mean, even even just learning the settings in a phone to shoot a decent video can be pretty complicated. And that's just like one out of 100 different skills you have to develop to really get good at communicating that way. So yeah, that's what led us to you know real estate. That's how we got into video. And then uh, about six months or so ago, we we started to build out the business video school because again, we realized people. What what we basically realized is people were trying to dive into the deep end with video. You know, so they were seeing people like you who had years of experience at that point, and they were going, "I want to do that too." And they were trying to imitate these people, and it wasn't working well. 
and then they were stopping. They were just basically giving up. They tried two or three videos. They they'd way they'd bite off way more than they could chew. Um, they get really frustrated, and then they were stopping. And that was like the last thing you want anybody to do. So yeah, we got into the idea of like how do we how do we figure out like what are the steps that they skipped? What did somebody? What's the very first video somebody should ever make? And like how simple should it be? And you know what does that all look like? And then we built the school from there. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And again, you know, again, we, we got turned on to it and thought it was such a phenomenal idea. And, and, you know, we were, we were talking, this is just a couple of months ago with Nick and saying, you know, it amazes us that nothing like this really exists, at least that we really know of. And there's a lot of variations of video companies and bringing value through video, but what we've learned, and I know a lot of you listening right now are probably thinking to yourself, yeah, I'm one of those people. I'll do a dabble in video, but I'm just not very good at it. I don't like how I sound. I don't like how I look. I don't have the equipment. I don't have the expertise. And so I don't, I'm not going to do it. And that's where you bring in a, a platform like Business Video School. So what we want to do today is really talk about that. Talk about that process. Talk about what an agent could be doing and where they should be starting and why they shouldn't be so scared and what they need to be doing videos. So Let's start somebody from the beginning. So, Nick, let's just assume that obviously, you know, we're having this conversation and and um, I've dabbled with video, but I don't really do any. I've done an occasional live. I've, I've done a few cell phone videos. Where do you recommend, where does somebody start? Like, wh- where's the first place to start? So I think, um, you know, they're, they're, so let, let's, let's talk about maybe the person that hasn't made a video yet, because it's, it's you know, if you've made videos, like there's a huge range of where you you could be at this point. Um, and then we kind of work into those 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 uh, scenarios as well, right? But I think I think first and foremost, everybody needs to understand that video is a is a shift in communication. Okay, like this is not a marketing technique; it can be used that way, but it's way way bigger than that. We are going to, as I think we've really started to see during these these lockdown periods, uh, it maybe it's very hard for people to transition to using video as a communication technique. So doing things like Zoom calls, but once you get used to it, you start to see the benefit of it and people want more of it. Okay. So I think that's the first thing we really have to understand is that this is not going away. Like there aren't video people and non-video people. We are all in one form or another going to be communicating through video. Now there might be video marketing people. There might be some people that say, I want to use video to market my business and others that say, I don't but you're not going to avoid getting on a camera. I mean, I, I think at this point, like I don't think I know a single person that hasn't been on at least a few Zoom calls. So that that phase is kind of already over. So that's number one is like, you, you're not going to get anywhere by just resisting this, this shift, right? And I think that six months, even a year ago, like that, that was much more common. I think people are getting past that. So then the next point is, you know, okay, I know I got to use video to communicate start as simply as you possibly can. So I think this is this is where a lot of people screw up is that we forget that when you were taught any skill in the past, think about how you learned that skill. You know, so I, I used my, uh, I, I grew up playing the trumpet and I started in fourth grade. And the first time I ever got a trumpet out and tried to play something, I was not allowed to put the mouthpiece into the horn, right? So there's like this little piece, it's like three inches long, goes on in the end of the trumpet, that's where you blow into, right? And I wasn't even allowed to put that into the instrument for a week. We had to just like buzz into it and make this like really is like, it almost sound like a dying duck or something. This kind of squeaky sound. And that was it, you know, and it it did not sound good. It did not sound like music at all. But the point is like, you had to learn how to make the, the buzzing noise with just the mouthpiece before you could put it into the horn and make something that sounded like music. And then it was like literally probably three years before I could make anything that sounded like real music come out of the trumpet. Right. I mean, you've ever been to a beginner uh, band concert, it's a very painful experience, right? So that's how we learn when we're young. And actually, when we're young, we're better at learning. Like our brains are really at that point in our lives where they're, they're able to absorb lots of information and, and, you know, regurgitate it over time. The older we get, the worse we get at learning. So we actually have to repeat the same task more times to retain it. And yet we take a completely opposite attitude toward learning. We start to think, oh, I'm going to go do that crash course, or I'm going to go to a, a weekend conference, and I'll come out and I'll be able to do all these things. And this isn't just about video. I mean, this is literally almost any skill we can learn. And so we act like we're going to jump straight to the part where we're performing, right? We're going to skip those couple years of practice, and we're just going to get out on stage and start delivering. And really, nobody can do that. I mean, that's just, it's just not possible, right? Some skills transfer from other areas. 
but it's just not possible. So I think that's the first thing people have to really fundamentally understand is that if you're looking at other people who are making video right now and you think, I want to be that person, you have to follow the same process that person went through. And I can guarantee you that if you like what they're doing, this is probably not the first video they put out, right? They're, they're seeing the influencers, you're seeing the Instagram stars, you know, people who are on television, stuff like that. And you got to start where they started, not where they are, right? So I think, you know, it's kind of a long-winded answer, obviously, but I think that's what a lot of people are missing is if you start too far down the path and you don't start with the basics and you don't have patience, it's going to require a lot of patience. But if you don't do that, you are going to burn yourself out and you're going to deal with a lot of frustration, right? So does that answer the question? Kind of, you know, start, start as simply as you can. Ask the people who are, who are really good where they started and start at that point. I like it. Yeah. And so before we kind of get into where, you know, where you suggest how they start, I want to, I want to ask another question that I'm trying to, you know, think about what the audience might be thinking. And that is, okay, I get it. Everybody says I need to be doing video. Right. And I get it. I see it on social media, blah, 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 blah. But do I really need to be doing video? I mean, how is this really going to impact my business? Why, why is this going to impact my business? And I'm not, I'm not interested in being the Kardashians. I'm not interested in being a big influencer like Gary Vee or Grant Cardone. Why do I have to have video in my business as a real estate agent? So I think, you know, okay, so you, you could, I guess you could argue there will be some people that could probably avoid using video, right? Those people are like, I always make the example of like, like there are still people who don't have a cell phone, right? it's not the easiest thing to do, but there's a few people left that are just totally stuck in like, I'm not going to do it. I refuse to carry around a device. Less people contact me at any time. But like, what's the percentage? Like less than 1% at this point. I think that's the same thing we're going to experience with video, right? It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's a better form of communication. It's that simple. I mean, when you watch a video of someone talking to you, what's happening in your brain is that your brain actually thinks you're sitting in front of that person having a conversation with them because we did not evolve with cameras. We didn't evolve with televisions, right? These are very, very recent inventions uh, in the history of humanity. And so our brains, they don't really know that we're not having a conversation. So that's why we become such diehard fans of celebrities because every time you see a movie or a TV show with that person, or if you, you know, listen to the music or you go to a concert, like your subconscious brain thinks that that person's your friend, you know, because you see them all the time, right? So I think that's what people have to remember here is like, okay, I keep, I keep hearing like I need to do this thing, but why? And it's that aspect is like, think about the difference. So you get on social media, you get on these platforms where people spend their time and communicate. And on the one hand, they're seeing a video of your competitor, right? And then they see what from you? Do they see a video as well? In which case they're having kind of a similar experience with the two of you. Or are they seeing pictures or are they seeing just text? You know, a lot of people are still just kind of putting up texts and pictures. And what is the impact that's having on their brain, right? So if they're seeing a video of another real estate agent, but they're only seeing older, more traditional forms of communication, email newsletters, things like that, their mind thinks they're getting to know that other agent. And they might be getting to know you a little bit, but it's just not the same, right? Because they're getting that full spectrum of communication. You're seeing the facial expressions. You can hear the tone of voice. You can see the body language, all of that stuff that you can get through a video. And I think, you know, hey, to play this out another 10 years, we're going to be talking about virtual reality and things like that at that point, which is even more immersive. But this is, this is in my opinion, this is the biggest of the steps we're ever going to take. Because going from being limited to text and phone calls to then being able to have literally like we're doing right now, you know, on Zoom as well, right? It's like we're able to see each other and go back and forth. Like that's such a big step. And it's not like it's going to be more and more important to your business over time. So you get a lot right now of people giving you tips on like how to use video to market yourself. And, and that's obviously one of the kind of more sexy things to talk about. But I actually encourage people when we get into the point of like where to start is start with internal video. So start with the stuff that's less pressure because that still has a massive impact. I mean, think about if you have, you know, your top five most frequently asked questions and you answer those five questions one at a time through the video camera and you give the best possible answer you'll ever give to that question. Now, every single time somebody has that question, you can send that over. And again, because the video is very much, you know, it has a very uh, similar feeling to having an actual conversation. Now they feel like you're personally in person answering that question that they have. And that sticks with people. 
That's the stuff they remember a couple years later. Um, that has a huge impact, right? So it's, again, it's not so much about marketing. It's about changing how you're communicating. And the more people do this stuff, the more they're going to expect it and the worse it's going to look that you're not doing it. I love it. And you know, one of the things you brought up, which was a term that I now use that you introduced me to, uh, was is parasocial relationships. And mm -hmm. I think that's the piece of video that that's not a common term. I don't think that's in everyone's vocabulary. And I think a lot of people listening are thinking, what is that? Right. Uh, so explain to our audience what a parasocial relationship is and why this, why video is so integral to creating these parasocial relationships, which is now so integral part of our lives with social media and the way the world is evolving. Right. So uh, the one other person I know that says this a lot is uh, Grant, Grant Wise. So I remember, I remember he brought that up at his, his event too, which is, which is great because I want people to be thinking more about this because so a parasocial relationship, just, just to define the term, it's a one-sided relationship. So it's a relationship where one person has a lot of, you know, no like and trust with another person. And that other person has no idea who the first person is, right? Um, so which which probably sounds pretty bizarre. And it's kind of like, why would I want that? Well, if you if you think about it, right, like it's it's the thing that happens with celebrities. So there's also a term called the familiarity principle, not to bring in too many psychology terms here, right? But the familiarity principle is pretty easy to understand. It's just basically, the more times you show up in front of somebody, the more likely they are to, to like you, right? Um, I think uh, Grant Cardone talks about it as just like the person that, you know, shows up the most times wins the business or something along that, those lines. And that's the idea is that, again, you know, it's always fun to think back to like, you know, several thousand years ago when we were, you know, based in tribes and all that kind of stuff before civilization. And how did you decide if you could trust somebody? Well, did you recognize them or not? Right. Had they been around in your tribe or not? If there's somebody you didn't recognize, then maybe you will be eventually able to trust them, but you got to vet them out a little bit. Right. So that still happens. That's that's the fundamental aspect of all advertising is just, hey, if I show up in front of you enough times, you're going to recognize me. You're going to have a sense of familiarity. So you're going to automatically like me. So parasocial relationship is basically taking that effect to its final destination, which is over time, as someone sees more and more of you, they start to develop this sort of trust for you because you're familiar, right? So the the difference here, though, and because these are things that have always happened, like you know, we, we see uh, some of the things that real estate agents do, you know, can be kind of funny, like the the bench ads, you know, it's so like the, the ad on the bench out in front of the grocery store or something. But that stuff can actually work really well, because what happens is somebody just sees that agent every single time they go to the grocery store. And a year later, they can't they can't really remember anymore. Whether do I know that person? Like I think I like them. Like did I meet them at an event or something? But they like them at that point, right? They've developed this familiarity for them. So video takes that and just like basically accelerates the crap out of it, right? Um, and it's really the difference between like you know if you were to see one of your favorite authors, maybe you've read a few of their books, but you haven't really seen many interviews with them, you might not even recognize them. Like you'd know the name and you'd feel like you had a kind of familiarity with them. But you could watch one half an hour interview with that author and you're going to probably feel like you know him a lot more than even if you'd read a couple books because you're getting the other aspects of communication you don't get from other forms, right? And a big part of that is you're seeing their face and you're hearing their voice and you're seeing all of it together in one package. And so again, it feels like you're having an actual conversation with them. And so that builds that relationship that much faster, right? So in terms of this parasocial relationship stuff, I mean, this is like, honestly, one of the things that it doesn't seem like hardly anybody seems to talk about much is we're all about lead gen, right? So everything's about, you know, generate the lead. And then it's all about lead conversion. And I, I think we've kind of reached maybe a year or two ago, kind of peak lead gen. I think we're almost on the other side of that curve at this point. And, uh, and people talk about Facebook ads with lead gen all the time, right? So Facebook is all cool targeting you can do. And hardly anybody seems to be talking about what I think is much more powerful, which is using these targeted ads to put videos of yourself in front of your ideal customer, and then letting this parasocial relationship develop over time as a result. And the difference is instead of now trying to kind of trick that person into opting into some sort of form and get them, you know, as a quote unquote lead, you're able to build a relationship with them. It's one sided. You haven't met them yet. Right. So it's, it's just them really building a relationship with you. But over time, you build this actual real relationship. And then when they're ready, when they're, you know, hey, I'm two months out from being ready to move. I've kind of picked a couple of houses I want to look at already. Then they call you. And it's, and it's weird because then at that point, like they, they're going to talk to you like you guys are friends already. And you're going to, it's going to throw you off the first few times. 
or you're going to go to networking events and people are going to walk up and they're like, I know you, how do I know you have, we're friends somehow. Or like, you know, we've hung out before and you had to be like, no, I just run a lot of Facebook video ads and you've just been seeing me for months there, you know? But that's, I mean, think about the impact. We call that becoming local famous, you know? So everybody, they, they overthink this and they say, oh, I don't want to be famous. It's like, yeah, but don't you want to be really popular amongst the couple thousand people in your city who would be your ideal customer? And that is for the first time in human history possible, but nobody's doing it yet, right? And so I think when we talk about these parasocial relationships, if you're strategic, you're not only building these relationships with quote unquote people, you're building it with the right people, right? I mean, you've pre-selected, you've said, I want people that uh, have these certain demographic traits, you know, that live in certain parts of the country, et cetera, et cetera. You've really narrowed it down and then you've strategically built parasocial relationships with each of them. And you get to a point where people are just calling you when they need your service and you don't have to do anything else. I mean, you're not doing lead gen, you're not door knocking, you know, you're probably still maintaining your, your, your top of mind with your sphere, but even that can be automated. I mean, it's, it's amazing what you can do with this stuff. Fact. A hundred percent fact, folks. And, and um, this was very disappointing for me when I first heard, it, which, whether it was Nick or Grant that said it, to realize that I'm actually not friends with Maverick from Top Gun, uh, like I thought I was <laughs> as a kid. Um, because uh, it's a parasocial relationship. I think I'm his friend, but he doesn't know me from Adam. Um, and and it, was, it was, but it, but it, but that really resonates for me. And as a video guy, and everybody on this probably knows that about me. Uh, that you mentioned a Grant Cardone quote. I'm going to mention a Sam Karamian quote. You may not know Sam. He's been on the podcast before, but he says, "The minute you become a somebody, the business starts to chase you," and that. Although in itself might sound, that's like next level shit, right? Well, it's not mm -hmm. really. I mean, this works. And, and the thing is, and when I teach this and I talk to people about the digital celebrity, is when, when you get to be known, like there's no better time in the history of mankind than right now with social media and the ability to grow an SOI and have people know, like, and trust you who don't even know you. Uh, way better, like you said, than the, the, the bus bench or the grocery store cart or the billboard because it's the same principle except they actually get, a, they get to hear tonality. They get to see emotion. They get to hear you talk. If you share your life, if you document your life, they get to literally know your family, know your interests, know your hobbies. And when you do this, there is no better sustainable business plan on the planet than doing this. Now, we're not saying you start video tomorrow and all of a sudden your business is just going to skyrocket and, and you're never going to have to call a lead again. That's not yeah. going to be the way it works. This is, a, this is a piece of a business plan, right? But right. Nick and I can both attest to this and say that if you execute this at a high level for a good two to three years, you're going to find your business shifting to where the business is chasing you, where people are calling you. And I am a testimony for that. And this isn't about me. Uh, but I like to be that testimonial because I'm just a little old guy from the Midwest who's built that based upon video and social media. So, Nick, we've kind of given them the psychology behind it, which I like, by the way, because this is something that most of the video experts out there in the world, myself included, and, and by the way, I use that in major quotations, um, <laughs> is that, you know, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about the understanding of the why. It's just right. do video, right? And the, so understanding that psychology is so important. But now let's get a little bit more technical. And I know that obviously this is, this is a topic that you and I could talk about for weeks, literally. <laughs> um, but let's, let's talk, you know, let's again, let's talk to that agent who has the misconception about how they look, how they sound, that they need expensive equipment. Um, let's, let's help them understand that they really don't and, and, and explain, you know, how you teach that because you're literally teaching that now to a curriculum, to students. So yeah. what, what do you have to say to, to that topic in general? Yeah, no, I love talking about that because I, I, people come up with just all kinds of, of reasons for why they don't want to be uncomfortable, right? I mean, that's all this all ever boils down to. It's the same kind of crap we deal with when you're trying to lose weight or, you know, take on a new challenge in life, whatever it might be. Um, and because the one that, that I think is the funniest is uh, people always talking about the fact that they don't like how they look and they don't like how they sound on video. And I'm always just like, well, sorry, but that's how you look and sound like forever like in all contexts that's just who you are right and but there's an explanation for both of those effects right and i think you know understanding obviously always is uh, kind of the first step to alleviating fear uh so understanding why that's happening i think is really helpful but 
when you, so when you see yourself, so this is, this is pretty cool. So when you see yourself, you, you, every single day, pretty much all of us see ourselves at least twice a day, right? And that's in the mirror. So we see ourselves in the morning when you're getting ready and usually in the evening when you're getting ready for bed, right? Uh, maybe depending how vain you are, you might see yourself a bunch more throughout the day if you got to keep fixing your hair or something, right? But what's different, so this is what people never think about is that a mirror image is flipped, right? So when you look in a mirror and it's reflecting yourself back, you're actually seeing the reverse image, which is why like when you look in your rear view mirror, you can read the word ambulance on the front of an ambulance behind you. But if you look at it directly, it's actually written backwards. They write them backwards on the front of the ambulance so you can read it in your rear view mirror. And we forget this stuff. Again, stuff we learn as kids, right? But you, you forget it as you get older. So here's what happens is that when you see a video or for that matter, ultimately a picture of yourself too, you're seeing yourself the way everyone else always sees you, right? But you're not seeing the, yourself the way you normally see yourself, which is in the mirror, right? So that automatically, everybody's face is a little bit different from one side to the other. So when you see a, set of a video of yourself, you're not used to seeing it, you actually think that you look bad or weird because it just is just enough different than how you look when you see yourself in the mirror that it does look different, right? So first of all, by knowing that, you can, you can just kind of accept, or I know it's hard to accept still, but you got to just remember like what you think might look strange looks normal to everybody else because they don't see you in the mirror. They see you in normal context, right? So that's number one. And then the same sort of thing happens with your voice where when you speak, you actually hear your voice in your head as much deeper because basically your voice kind of bounces around and it shakes all the bones in your head and stuff like that. And so you're kind of hearing like an undertone to your voice. And we all kind of think we have these deeper voices and then you hear a recording and like the, the most common version of this is the voicemail recording, right? So you record your voicemail greeting, you play it back and you're always like, what the heck? Like that's how my voice sounds. That's ridiculous. But again, no one else hears it that way, right? Like we don't, we're not hearing what's in your head. We can only hear how your voice sounds. So when you do a video, no matter how you feel about it, everyone, and you'll see this happen all the time. Everybody else is like, you're, it's great. You, you seem fine. You seem completely normal. And you're like, God, I sound and look really weird. And they're like, no, you sound and look like you normally do. I don't know what you're talking about. So that's why that happens, right? I mean, that, and that's fairly universal. The only time I've ever met people that didn't feel kind of uncomfortable or weird about their first few videos is people that had done this stuff before, you know, they'd been on TV for interviews, or maybe they'd done some acting in the past or whatever it is. Otherwise, everybody's disoriented by that, because it's, you just don't expect it. I mean, you, you don't hear your own voice very often, right? So that goes away. That's, that's number one. So if you're talking about getting started, and you feel uncomfortable about those things, just record, like literally, don't even script anything, don't even come up with a topic, just like take your cell phone, and, and, point the camera at yourself and just record yourself talking for a few minutes and then watch it and then watch it again and then watch it again and then watch it enough times. So you just get used to the fact that like, that's just how you look and sound. And it does happen over time. Like your, your brain kind of adjusts and it just sort of starts to accept that that's how you look and sound. And that part will go away. Right now, once that part starts to go away, then you can do the real work, right? Because when you're, when you're still at the beginning and you're totally caught up in obsessing over how you look and sound, you can't work on the other skills, right? Like you can't, I can't teach somebody to be more compelling with their delivery of their lines if all they're thinking about is how they don't like how their voice comes through on the other end, right? Because they're just not thinking about the right stuff. So you got to get past that first. And that realistically, the, the way to do it is just practice, record yourself, try things, but you got to watch it back. And even I like that was, that was for me hard, you know, it's like, I, even to this day, like it is uncomfortable um, hearing, you know, like I'll be in the same room and Vanessa's editing a video of me and I can hear my voice. I'm like, ah, can you turn that down? Like, it just makes me feel weird, you know? But the more you hear it, the more you see it, the more you're going to kind of get past that part. And once you get past that part, then it opens up the, the options for everything else, right? So that would be, that would be kind of a, a big one. And then uh, there was, what was the other half of, of what you mentioned people get caught up by? Uh, well, it's so how they sound, how they look. Um, one of the other biggest ones I, I don't think I mentioned was they don't know what to talk about. Yeah. Um, there's, 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 there's so many, oh, uh, equipment, uh, what equipment do right. I need? Uh, that would be the, that would probably be one of the biggest ones. Yeah. So yeah. And that's, that was the other one you said. So I mean, that one is nothing. <laughs> so I, I think like we're in the, the golden age of this stuff in a lot of ways. I mean, it'll probably just keep getting better, but you have a 4k camera in your pocket. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, like I made some, uh, some, like we called them movies. I don't know if they're actually, we considered movies when we were kids, but 
you know, we were like 10 and 12, like we'd borrow the, the parents, uh, camcorder, you know, we'd go out and we'd make these little movies ended up being like 10 or 15 minutes long. And I, you know, I was thinking about the other day and I'm like, man, even then, like that felt like we had this really cool tool and, oh my gosh, we can make it. But the thing was, you know, at best it was like 480p, you know, so it's like the image you're getting is not all that great. Um, the audio wasn't very good, all that kind of stuff. And now we're walking around with a 4k camera in our pocket at any given time, you know? So you don't need anything else. I mean, I think it's, there are all kinds of additional equipment you can buy over time. Um, and that's definitely stuff we talk about within the school is kind of when is the right time to buy something? Because I've actually seen equipment backfire a lot on people, right? Because again, until you know the basics, it's very hard to know what you need. So they'll go out and they'll buy you know, lighting that they don't understand. And they'll buy all this audio equipment and they'll invest in editing software. And I'll, and I'll be like, hey, do you want to spend hours every week editing your own videos or do you want to outsource that to somebody? And they're like, oh man, I didn't think about that. You know, you're just like, why'd you buy this stuff, right? So you gotta, it, it's a lot of times people invest in equipment as another way to delay dealing with a problem, right? So I've seen, like, I've seen a lot of people that have spent hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to basically build out their own video studio in their home. And that was a year or two ago and they haven't made any videos because they just made, it just became a, a, a way to procrastinate, right? Like, oh, I, I need to get this thing. So first I got to get it. Well, I'm going to research it first, right? And then when I get it, I got to learn how to use it and I got to practice and, you know, and, oh, and then I need this other thing. And that's what kills people, right? So you're just making excuses. If you're sitting there going, well, before I start, I need equipment. That's just, you're lying to yourself and you need to get past that. Unless you're one of the 1% that doesn't have a cell phone, right? <laughs> In which case, maybe you need a camera. So that's it. Just start with your, your phone. You've got a front-facing camera and a rear-facing camera. You know, the front-facing camera, the selfie camera, it's not as high quality, but it's, it's still honestly pretty good at this point if you get a newer phone. So just turn it on and, and just start experimenting and trying things there. And then I will say, you know, just to give people a little bit more advice, if you get past that point. So what I like to tell people is use buying equipment as a reward for yourself. So th think about, so one of the first things I'd invest in would be a lapel microphone. You know, it's a, it's a little mic you can clip to your shirt, plugs into your camera or your phone. Um, it's going to give you clearer audio. It's just going to be, you know, better audio. You can get them for like 15, 20 bucks. Although I have noticed the prices are going up on Amazon because I think the, the demand has really skyrocketed recently. But there, that's like, that's a very affordable thing you can do. It's going to give you better audio. But again, you don't, it's not a requirement. You don't need it day one. So maybe say, hey, once I've made five videos, I'm going to go ahead and invest in a lapel microphone. And then once I've made 10 videos, maybe you're going to buy a little bit of lighting equipment or Maybe you're going to invest in a gimbal if you do a lot of like walk and talk type videos where you're walking through houses and things like that. But use them as, as uh, rewards for achieving your objectives, right? And that way, you're going to have a better understanding of why or whether or not you need the tool in the first place. You know, you may actually find um, that there's things that you thought you needed on day one that you just really never need to invest in, right? Um, or some people will get to the point where, for instance, you'll outsource your editing. So if you're going to outsource your editing, don't invest in, in editing software, right? Or maybe you're going to work your way up to outsourcing the video production itself, and you're going to hire a videographer, and they're going to shoot you know, all of your nicer level videos. So if that's the case, you don't want to go out and start buying all the equipment a videographer has because you're just going to pay somebody to do it down the road, and then that stuff's all you know, worthless for you. So you know, from that standpoint, I think you know, kind, of, kind of picking up things as you need them um, is a much better approach than going out and buying a, a big kit of stuff right at the beginning. So if there is one piece of equipment that I just, I have nothing, I have my cell phone, but if you have one piece of equipment I should buy first, what is it? It's going to be, a, in my mind, a tie between a lapel microphone or a tripod. So that would be, that'd be the two that I would kind of first recommend. I mean, tripod because it's going to give you stable footage. So obviously, you know, you can lean your phone up against your computer screen or something to try to get stable footage. That works short term. But obviously having, you know, footage that's shot from the right level. So you're kind of basic, you know, your, your eyes should be kind of where the same level the camera is. Um, that's hard to do if you don't have a tripod. So a tripod's a really great addition. Um, and then the lapel microphone's really great for just kind of cleaning up your audio. So it's going to depend, choosing between those two would depend on what you're struggling with the most. So, you know, if you're, if you're making videos and the audio is just not coming out very clear, then I would go with the mic first. Um, and if you're making videos where the camera's really shaky, because like maybe you have, you know, kind of like uh, less stable hands, you know, you're just, you're bouncing all over the place, then I would go with a tripod. So those, those would kind of be tied for, for first.
I love it. And and I will say this too, and, and my videographer has said this to me, is like, if you're, first of all, most people when they're shooting videos, they're not going to do them in public places. They're not going to do them around people because they're uncomfortable. And my videographer will actually tell me when I'm like, when I'm recording audio for a video, he'll say, go in your car because it's like a recording studio. So go record it in your car. And a lot of people like to shoot video in their car because it's like they're isolated. They're nobody's around them and it just makes them feel safer. So I will say right. that. Uh, your your audio on your cell phone is probably very, very good if you're going to be isolated when you're shooting videos. <clears throat> but if there's going to be background noise, make sure you get the lapel. And if you have, if, if you're shooting professional videos, you're shooting for your business, having that crisper sound makes all the difference in the world. It just makes you more professional, makes you stand out. But I agree with Nick. If Nick, you would ask me the question, I'd say the first and foremost thing is the tripod. Uh, there's nothing more annoying than watching a video on social media where somebody's holding their phone and I'm getting motion sickness from watching the video. It's the worst. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how great the content is. It doesn't matter if, you know, if, if you're showing me something on video that I absolutely want to see if it's shaky, I can't stomach watching. It's hard to watch. Um, and so I, I believe in, in the tripod. It's interesting to get different perspectives on that. So that's pretty awesome. So we're running late on time. I, I want to, uh, I, we've we've covered. I really like that we've covered the psychology here because it's it's an unspoken about topic when it comes to video. We've talked about the very basics of video. Is there anything else? So let's just say somebody is kind of at that level, right? They they've sh okay. The person that I described in the very beginning. I've shot mm -hmm. some videos. I'm not doing it consistently. I know I need to, but I I have a tripod. I have a lapel. Uh, I have some lighting. What what's the next step for that person who's kind of you know, kind of like a sophomore, you know, they're, they're kind of at the, they're kind of at level two, level two or three of video. What's the next piece of expertise or equipment that they, in your opinion, that they really need to invest some time into or some money into uh, to go next level? So I think that's, that's the point where you really start thinking about uh, the brand you're trying to develop. You know, I think that when you first get started, you're, you're just trying to get over the, the nerves and just kind of get yourself used to making video, which is, you know, back to the trumpet analogy, it's kind of like your first year or two, where you're just learning how to use the instrument um, and make a decent sound. And then past that point, you're, you're starting to decide what kind of music do I want to be known for being good at, right? Because there's all kinds of genres and there's different things you can focus on. And I think for video, it's the same thing where if, you know, because this something that took me a while to really start to understand is like, you know, now you're in the phase where it's like, okay, I'm going to start using this as, as a tool strategically. And I'm going to start trying to attract, you know, we're talking about like building that brand that just sort of attracts the right people over time. And so that's what you want to start thinking about at that point. So, you know, the truth is what you're going to buy or invest in or spend your time on is going to depend on who you're trying to attract. Right. Um, and I think this is another one of those kind of pivot points where a lot of people make a mistake because they don't take that part very seriously. They just keep making content, right? And it's just, and it's just all over the board and they're kind of trying different things. And, and that's fine. You want to be experimenting. But if you start to think at that point about who is the ideal customer, like who am I really trying to draw in with my content? And then where it gets really kind of counterintuitive and challenging is you have to basically pick a few topics and we're talking like maybe three or four, not, not many more than that. And then you have to just keep coming back to them, right? So that's, that's how you build a following, right? If you look at, you know, like I think about like, you know, somebody like Gary Vee, somebody who's like really, really done this well. Um, and it's like, well, what's he known for, right? He's known for like the hustle culture type stuff, right? And like that aspect of what he talks about is always present, right? Like he's, he's never pivoting away from talking about it. And it evolves over time. He learns to nuance it in different ways that attracts, you know, more and more of the right people. But he gets known for certain things. And that's how any of these, these top people are, is they get known uh, for certain ideas or certain concepts that they constantly champion and push, Right. And so I think that's, you know, obviously that's fairly high level, but once you're getting comfortable with making content, I think that's when it's time to start thinking about that stuff because it, it's, it's, it's how you attract the right people. And so a lot of times you'll see as people get better at this, it's almost like they're, they almost seem to be doing less because they keep coming back to the same topics on a consistent basis, right? Um, so I've heard you talk about this, Jeff, and I think you talk about it as kind of choosing like content pillars, right? So that's, that's what we're going for here is we're going for getting to a point where we have certain kinds of topics. And the way I would do this 
is I would just ask my favorite customers. I would go to the people that I want to attract more of um, that have the kind of friends that I want to work with. And I would just talk to them about like, what are, what are the things that really get you excited? And then on the flip side, so that's kind of your interests, like what are the, the interests, hobbies, passions, the stuff that you really get excited about seeing, you know, if there's, if you, if you flipped on the TV and there was a, a news story on that particular thing, like you probably stick around and watch it just because you're always curious about it, right? And everybody's going to have, you know, five to 10 things that, that kind of fall in that category. And then you also want to look at the flip side of that coin, which is where do you experience pain? So what are the parts of your life? And they don't have to do anything with your particular business or service, but just get a, get a good sense of like, what are the pains that you're currently experiencing? You know? So for example, like within real estate, like maybe you're, uh, your customer is dealing with the pain of like just having had uh, a few kids, you know, maybe it's like they're a younger family, for instance. And so, yes, it's not specifically about real estate, but they may talk about like some of the pains they're dealing with of, you know, a, a readjusted schedule of having several kids that got to, you know, bust around to different activities and stuff like that. And, and basically what you're doing is you're trying to figure out what are the things that my ideal customer cares about. So both from a positive and a negative perspective. And then you want to look at where does that overlap with what I care about or the pains that I've experienced, right? So I'm not telling you to go out and start giving people advice on, on pains that you've never had, because I think that can be kind of weird to do. But where you find overlap, that's your gold, right? So if you're talking to your ideal customer and they're going, man, you know, I, I just had my third kid and like, oh, I got so much going on. It's just so hard to like keep track of everything and deal with this. And you happen to be somebody that has several kids and went through that, that phase, well, guess what? Now you can give that kind of advice and that can become one of your pillars. You can keep coming back to that and laying out different scenarios and giving people things, you know, telling stories of what you went through, et cetera. You know, and then on the positive side, it turns out they're really into soccer and so are you. Well, guess what? Make content around that topic, right? So you, you kind of refine these ideas. You come up with a couple ideas where you have this resonance or this overlap with your, your ideal customer, the people you want to work with. And then kind of taking this one step further is you can also be strategic about making adjustments to that based on who you want to attract in the future. So if you have, you know, ah, I really like my current clients, but I really want to push it. And I want to be working with people that are, you know, have, a, you know, make, make a higher level income or have a, have a more established career or whatever it is, then maybe go out and interview those folks. And maybe they're not your current client, but they're, they're an aspirational client and get that same sort of information from them. But then, and again, not everybody does this, right? This is, this is kind of higher level stuff. But if you do that, which is a project, it's going to probably take you a week or two to put all that information together. Now you are predetermined to basically have success. I mean, you're, you're, you're almost guaranteed that now if I go out and I keep talking about these things, it's going to attract the kind of people that I want to work with. And so then you just, then it's all about habits at that point. And I think that's where, you know, as you get into higher levels, this is something I'm always trying to, to do. And I've had periods where I've been better about it than others, but build habits around making content, right? So this, this applies to any kind of content or really anything in business, but especially video is just start to start to look for ways to make this a regular part of your schedule. So one of the things that, that I've done several times that I really like doing um, is come up with a show concept, you know, so pick those topics that, that, that are your kind of bread and butter topics, and then build some sort of recurring show around it. You know, maybe you're going to go um, like one of the ones I've seen done several times that, that always seems to work well, is if you're really into like food, you know, you're like, oh, man, I love barbecue, for instance, right? Um, a lot of big barbecue places in St. Louis. So it's like, you know, I could go, hey, I love barbecue. A lot of my customers I like working with love barbecue. I'm going to go do a review of a different barbecue restaurant once a week for the next two months or, you know, or it can be once a month. It doesn't have to be that ambitious, right? But just make it something you're committing to doing regularly. And I think that's an easy way to kind of hack yourself to, to success here. And if you look at the people who build, can, like who actually build good followings on YouTube in particular, because YouTube is really all video, like that's the one thing to me that stands out is that they're, they're talking about the same things and they're doing it consistently. And then over time, the audience shows up. I love it. And you know, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, I did not expect that answer. I was actually thinking it was going to be like editing, uh, which goes to show you there's a bunch more to talk about here. But I think, right. again, we started the psychology, you know, these, these interviews, by the way, folks are not, we don't pre-plan them. This is a conversation and we let them go down the path that they go. We know generally what we're going to talk about, but Nick totally threw me off twice now. Uh, and, and I think it's really important to, 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 to really expand upon what he just talked about, which is the actual content, which are your pillars. 
And, and I've kind of, yeah. I guess I kind of coined that in a way, but uh, what I tell people is have three, at least three pillars. I have five. And, and to me, so I'm going to tell you what my five are. My five are business. Of course, that's always going to be a pillar for everyone. Uh, another pillar that everybody has is family, life, travel. It's all lumped into one pillar, in my opinion. That's a, that should be the biggest pillar of all of your pillars from your content. And then I, and I have three, like business, but not direct business to where I'm bringing value, but I'm not talking mortgage because nobody gives a crap about mortgage. And those are video and social. It's kind of my thing. Entrepreneurship and leadership because I've been in a, in a leadership role for many, many years. So I have a lot to share there, a lot of experience. And then one of my passions is fitness and diet. And so I've just chosen to create content around it. Now, I realize that not everybody is going to have that same passion and that's okay. But the people that do have that passion or the people that I do inspire are going to become my raving fans and they're going to follow me more consistently than if I was doing nothing or than if I was just if I wasn't talking about it at all. And now I potentially picked up clients because all I'm doing is sharing something that I already would be doing. And so that's the point. Create content around your hobbies, around your passions, because it's easy to create content around that because you already know a lot about it. You are an expert, whether you want to look at it that way or not. I'm not an expert. I'm not a trainer. I'm not certified. I just, it's a passion. And so comparably to the, to the, the average human, I'm more of an expert, right? So if nothing else, it's just, it inspires people or people, you know, it doesn't even matter. You work on cars or you crochet or you're a meal prepper or whatever. There's other people out there with like-minded interests that are going to follow you, whether it's 10 or 10,000, it doesn't matter. If you get right. 10 more followers, that's 10 more raving fans that are going to remember what you do because they love you and they, the people that love you want to give. And that's just the way it works. And folks, this is, these are some really great topics to talk about when it comes to talking video. So Nick, clearly, you know, you are an expert on video and I'm not even going to use that in quotations because I'm self-proclaiming you. Uh, an expert on video. And, and what I love about it is because I am immersed with a lot of video, quote unquote, experts, myself included. And the reason we're experts is because we executed a high level. We're not really, we didn't have any formal training. We're all just self-taught. Noel Nielsen's one of my good friends, same kind of concept. Brad McCallum. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so many people out there that I can mention that are doing video at a high level, Kyle Whistle. And we're all just self-taught. We just did it, right? Now, I would consider somebody like Nick an expert, which is why we partnered with them. And this is where you get to learn more about psychology. You get to learn more about the technicals. And this is where, Nick, I want you to, to tell the listener a little bit more about the business video school. So one, where can they find you if they want to learn more, if they want to get into it? How can they, how can they find you? And then two, what can they expect if they get into the video school? Sure. Yeah. So first of all, to find us, you, know, you can go to biz, B-I-Z, videoschool.com. Um, so that's our website, bizvideoschool.com. And then if you search for business video school on either Instagram or Facebook, you should find us in both of those places. But yeah, I mean, the, the idea behind the school was, so we, so about six months ago, as I mentioned earlier, we, we really started working on building this out and we've been up and running uh, really kind of officially for about a month and a half, two months now. And the idea was at the time we were we were trying to address the fact that we were working with a lot of clients doing video production, right? So we were helping them make videos or helping them get comfortable on camera. Uh, we were putting out pretty much like once a week, they had a professional quality video going out on social media. Um, and so compared to like everybody else in the industry, they were doing a lot more of this stuff, but they weren't really taking it beyond that in a lot of cases. So we had a lot of them that you know, for instance, like they weren't making any of their own video content. Like we even, we had kind of a moment with one client where um, we were like, hey, let's, let's shoot a quick live video. And they were like, I don't know how to do a live video. And I was like, what are we doing? Like we're making these professional quality video ads and like, they're just, they're not, they're not learning to use video as a communication tool. They're just kind of saying, oh, okay, we're making videos cool. And I think that's important. I think it's really important to, to be shifting to video across the board, right? So that's where the, the kind of kernel of the school came from As I started to say, okay, well, we want people in, in our, you know, we want our customers to be doing video at the same level as all the people you just mentioned, right? The self-taught types who went out and spent years kind of piecing together all of the aspects of it, the psychology, the how-to, the equipment, you know, everything, right? Um, and for our clients, we were doing a great job of kind of accelerating that for them, but they weren't learning how to do it themselves. And so we went through and, and I took that time to kind of ask, 
you know, for the guys, you know, the people that, that, uh, that you mentioned, like, so guys like Jeff in this case, you know, or, or Noel, right. We, we went out and looked and said, where did they start? So we know where they are now. We know that they're, you know, in a lot of cases, like they're working with videographers at this point, their stuff's really polished. They are super, you know, charismatic and confident on camera, but where did they start? What was the first thing they ever did? And it, it just ended up giving us kind of this roadmap because it was very much a consistent pattern. It was, I started with a phone. I started super simple. Um, if anything, like they kind of intentionally didn't overcomplicate things at the beginning, which I thought was interesting. And it was always bad, right? Like it was always, like you would show their, they'd show their old videos and you'd be like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, that wasn't very good. But thank you so much for sharing that. And when you go to conferences and stuff, like that was always the most popular thing any of these influencers would ever do is show people their very first video because they go, oh, okay. I could do something like that. And that was the point. So from there, we said, okay, they start simple. They start with just a phone. Then what? And then they buy, you know, so then it's a couple pieces of equipment, maybe coming up with some more creative ideas. Uh, most of them were doing, if, you know, a lot of times nothing was even edited at first, and then they'd move to learning some editing. Then a lot of times we found people outsourcing their editing. That was kind of a next step. And then at the very end, and this was usually three years or so in, was when they were hiring a full-time videographer or, or even a part-time videographer, somebody that was helping them actually create the videos. So that's kind of the context for where we, we said, okay, so what we want to do is we want to develop a training program that teaches that from that first step, right? So from the very, very beginning, they, they don't know anything about shooting a video with a phone even, we want to teach those skills, right? However, we don't, what we, we want, the one thing we do know about learning video is that it is intimidating. It is unlike almost any other skill anybody's ever learning um, because you really have to put yourself out there. I mean, there's a ton of vulnerability that comes to especially posting a video that you've made that you're in on social media. Like that does take some, some guts, right? And so if all we did is make a course and sell it to people, I bet we'd sell a bunch of them because we're addressing a significant issue, which is how do I start using video? But if you look at a lot of online learning and a lot of courses that are sold, people never finish them, right? Or they'll get, they'll, they'll finish them, but they won't actually apply the skills. Or we hear all the time people go to conferences and they're all jacked up about all the things they're going to do. And three days later, they, they haven't started and they've already forgotten about a lot of it. And we didn't want to do that. So we probably overcomplicated this for ourselves, but I actually think what we've built is really cool. So we said, how do we teach them all that stuff step by step, one thing at a time, but do it in a way where we can make sure they stay accountable to it, right? So how do we make sure that the course is not just a course, but is also exercises? How do we make sure they're actually practicing, right? Because back to the trumpet analogy, it's like you got to learn how to do it, but if you don't get it out and actually play it every couple days or every day even, you're not going to become very good at it. So that's what we do with the school, right? So the school is basically set up to say, uh, at this point, you know, the way it works is that every week we do a one and a half hour training the trainings are scheduled. So that's a little bit different than your typical online courses. You're going through this with classmates. So that's why we called it a school. It's not just a, a course or a program. You're actually going through it with your fellow classmates. And so you're seeing every week a class at the same day and on the same day and the same time. So let's say like Wednesday at 9 a.m., depending on your time zone, and still are the other 50 or so students in that class. And so you're watching the training together. You're able to ask questions and get answers from the instructors. So the way it works is you're watching a training, but you can actually ask questions in the chat and get responses from one of our instructors in the chat. Um, and then we're also, during the trainings, doing exercises. So we might say, hey, get your phone out. Click on this particular button. See what happens, right? Now point it over here. Do this, right? So we're literally walking through every single step. And then at the end of each exercise or at the end of each uh, class, we have a homework assignment. And so the homework that you're creating is literally videos that you can use in your business. Because I thought that was also really important is that we don't want to be just doing busy work for the sake of busy work. We want to be making content that you can actually use. You don't have to. So what we do is we have people post their homework to the group so we can give them feedback and they can give each other, uh, give each other feedback. Honestly, sometimes some of the best feedback comes from the other students. But then those are also videos that if you were feeling up to it, you could post online and you can use in your business, right? And so we go through this process. The, the initial class, which we call kind of our, our video 101 uh, course, is 12 weeks. You know, So you come in, you do one class per week for 12 weeks. And at that point, our intention is that you're at the point, you're at the point where you have a video habit where you're making at least one video a week, right? Again, we're not talking super elaborate, not that kind of stuff. This is 101 type stuff, but you know how to shoot a video, you know how to come up with your topics, you know some basic editing, 
Um, you know how to distribute the video, so how to post it correctly to all the right platforms. And yeah, you're just basically comfortable with the idea of communicating through video. So that's that's really where the school's at at this point. I mean, like I said, it is pretty new and that that's really the kind of core of it. But I think it's also important to mention that like this, this for us is, is, a, is a hardcore focus. I mean, this is, you know, where I'm spending, you know, 90 plus percent of my time is developing this school. And so we eventually want to see this evolve into something where there's lots of different courses that you can enroll in as you need them, right? So you're part of the school, you're paying either yearly or monthly, depending on which plan you want to be on. And there's, there's value you get just from being in the school, but then also there's these courses you can enroll in as you need them, right? So you do video 101, maybe then you spend a couple months practicing and finding some partners in the school to, to do some challenges or to, to work on videos with. Then you go, you know what, I'm ready for the next phase. I want to learn editing. And so you enroll in that course and that might be a six week course or an eight week course or whatever it is. So in a lot of ways it works just like school. I mean, it'd be kind of like going to college is just kind of part-time. Obviously, we're not asking people to do full-time college work, right? And that's the idea. And I think so far what we've seen, because this you know, this isn't totally new, we, we started a couple beta classes back about six months ago, and then we've got our two newest classes, which are going really, really well. Um, and it's really cool. I mean, we're seeing people get over fears that they've been dealing with for years. You know, People have been dragging their feet on this stuff for years, and they're actually getting out and trying things that maybe they never thought they would even try. And they're, you know, they're, they're appreciative, you know, it's kind of cool to be teaching people stuff and seeing them actually go out and apply it right away. Um, and then see their post on Facebook that they made through the school and the fact that they're getting all this engagement from their friends and family, and they're telling them how much they love their video. And, you know, that's always like a very rewarding experience to see somebody kind of push through that fear and take that next step. And then once you do that, I mean, everything opens up, right? Once you realize like I have this, this completely new tool that I'm learning to utilize that I'm going to get only better at over time. I mean, it really, it really changes how you do business. I mean, you're going to be able to think about the way your business functions completely different when you utilize this completely new tool. So that's what we're all about, right? So, I mean, that's, that's how the school works. It's 97 bucks a month. So if you sign up, you basically pay 97 a month, or you can actually pay for that three month course up front and save 5%. So I think it's like 276 bucks or something like that for three months. Um, and then we get you into a class and you get to know your fellow students and we take it from there. So that's basically how it works. I love it. I love it. And we we loved it so much. Like I said, we wanted to bring it to the LCA community. And um, so really, and, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but uh, two of your first or most recent classes have basically been all uh, realtors co- probably came right. over from Lab Coat Connection at some of some sort. So, and, and let me mention also, uh, Nick had a, a price point that uh, we thought was a little too high. And so we wanted to get a better deal for our, our, our lab coat community. And so that's where the 97 comes from. I feel like it's a steal being around video. I wish I would have had this five years ago. It would have accelerated my video game. I had to learn on my own. I had to learn on the fly and most of us do, but you know what, in today's day and age, it is becoming more and more common. And the faster you can accelerate the better off you're going to be. I wish I had had a community like this. I wish I had something that would just made, would have made me more comfortable. Uh, it's really, really awesome. Uh, you know, we, we endorse everybody that we have on our podcast and we vet who we have on our podcast. And there's a reason why we had Nick today. Uh, I think this is a fa- fascinating topics. We've gone an hour. I don't always do that on the podcast, Nick. So uh, that probably speaks A to the content, uh, which by the way, there's a lot more that we did not have. And right. if, if you're still with us, we're having Nick on Lab Code Agents webinars once a week. We've, we've consistently scheduled them every Thursday. Uh, so despite when this uh, podcast, obviously vers- when we're recording versus when it actually goes live, uh, we're going to be scheduled out all the way through June and probably beyond uh, to have Nick on to discuss some specific topic about video. Uh, we've talked about things like content. We've talked about things uh, like equipment. We've talked about where to post things. And we're going to continue to talk about these topics because we realize how important video is today uh, for all of you and your businesses. And we heavily endorse it. And we want to help you elevate your video game. And Nick and what he's doing with Vanessa and, and their, their uh, editor, Michael Glazer, uh, with Business Video School is absolutely fantastic. We love them. We appreciate them being a partner now with us and I look forward to hopefully uh, bringing thousands of students and realtors into this platform and elevating their game. And you look back and say, man, not only did I get a ton from lab code agents, they also changed my life with video. 
And that's what we're looking for. So Nick, thank you so much for being on today. Uh, I look forward to, obviously, we're going to continue to talk. So uh, I look forward to talking to you on, on the next uh, Thursday edition uh, webinar with you and talking some video game with Tristan and myself. And uh, we really appreciate everything you're doing and look forward to uh, continued collaboration. Yeah, well, I do too. And uh, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. It's a lot of fun. You, you betcha. And don't forget, folks, bizvideoschool.com. Go check them out. And also, don't forget, if you gain something from this podcast, make sure that you share it. Let us know how we're doing. Let your friends and colleagues know about us. Don't keep us a secret. The success of the podcast and allowing us to continue to share is dependent upon you, the audience, letting it be known. So thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Nick, for being on. And we will talk to you guys next week. Agents Podcasts.